Some poor practices I've seen in the past when it comes to cultivating healthy spend is employers not explaining the why. People do not like change. They especially do not like change uh, when they're just told to do it. So I think it's extremely important to explain the why things need to change and what the new change will look like. This is something that's like really driven home here at Voices.com and I love it. Hi, I'm Danny, And I'm Nicole. Welcome to the Spend Culture Stories podcast, where we explore the connection between company spending and culture. Join us as we dive deep into understanding the people, processes, and tools that make up spend as a whole, or what we call spend culture. Welcome back to the Spend Culture Stories podcast. This is Nicole. And today we have with us Brittany Nasso, a financial controller from Voices.com. Welcome, Brittany. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. We're excited to have you on today. You know, maybe we'll just get started by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you into the position that you're in today. Yeah, for sure. So my background does come from accounting. I did um, an undergrad degree at the University of Guelph, and then I went on to pursue my uh, chartered accountant designation with Deloitte. And, um, you know, I moved from Deloitte into industry at a local home builder in Guelph. And then I moved here to London with my fiance, and I took the job with Voices.com as their financial controller. So Currently, yes, I'm the financial controller. And as a background, Voices.com is the industry-leading website that connects businesses with professional voice talent. People all around the world working at radio stations, television stations, advertising agencies, and Fortune 500 companies rely upon our marketplace to search for, audition, and hire voice talent. My main responsibilities here are managing the finance team, which consists of AR and in the AP function, accounting, financial reporting, and payroll. That's really cool. I was just reading up about Voices.com and that sounds like a really fun place to be working, but also kind of a polar opposite in my understanding from a place like Deloitte. Oh, yes, for sure. So I know lots of people will ask me, like, why Voices.com? Was I in, like interested in the industry? But it was more so the potential that I saw in Voices.com was a growing company last year, and we still are growing a lot. And just the product itself really like interested me. So I was very eager when I applied for the job. I really hoped that I would get it. So I'm very happy to land here. That's awesome. So when you were making the switch from a big four accounting firm to Voices.com, what are some of the major differences that you've kind of noticed in your day-to-day? Day-to-day differences between being at Deloitte and working in industry, I would say, is technical accounting. I went from seeing that daily to really only seeing it at month-end, year-end, and when like non-traditional transactions occur. I would also say like ingraining yourself into an organization. Now I wear so many hats that I'm in industry like that. And I've had the opportunity to learn so much that maybe if I hadn't left Deloitte, I would not necessarily have seen them. And then I would say value and impact. I know like the work that I'm performing at Voices.com is valued and has a positive impact on the organization. That's so cool. I think that's such a great thing for people to know, even new grads coming into finance or accounting. I think a lot of people have their eyes set on a big four firm, but to know that there's so many other things you can do with those skills and experience is really exciting. Absolutely. So as a female in finance, what are some of the challenges that you've faced so far in your career and how have you overcome them? 
Being as a female finance leader, I would say some of the challenges that I faced this far in my career would be experience and confidence. Definitely at the beginning of my career, age was for sure a factor. As I was 23, walking into CFO's offices and auditing their work, not many of them liked me because of that. So how I overcame that was basically sharing my knowledge with my clients, displaying my confidence through my work, and then just allowing my confidence to shine through. I like that a lot. That's one thing that I've kind of heard from other females working in finance or, you know, working in leadership roles is that just to be confident and communicate. And I think that takes you quite far and it can be intimidating going into an environment like that. I know I'd be probably pretty nervous too, but I think confidence gets you a long way. Absolutely. So is there something that you're proud of that you've maybe never really had the chance to share that you'd like to share with our audience? I honestly don't think there's anything that I'm proud of that I haven't shared. I love celebrating my successes with my family and friends. So they know everything, but I would definitely (laughs) say my proudest accomplishment would be obtaining my CA designation. That's a huge accomplishment. And I know I'm the same way. I don't really have many secrets. Everyone pretty much knows everything going on with me, but it's always nice. And I, I agree. You have to celebrate things like that, big or small. Yeah, for sure. I just like that was one thing that I found like I worked really hard at and it was something so funny. Like in grade 11, I was like, I'm going to be a CA because we had a liaison come in and they told us all the amazing things CAs did. And then from then on, I was just ready to take that on. And it was just like so nice to follow a dream and then see it like through. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so funny too. Even from like high school, you knew that that was something you wanted to achieve. So I can see that the value of actually getting that is even greater. Yeah. So when it comes to recruiting team members, is there any kind of specific qualities that you look for people to join your finance team? One quality that I believe is critical to success for a finance recruit would be attention to detail. Most organizations have a high volume of transactions and being able to perform those tasks with the attention to detail they require is a skill I think everyone in a finance department should have as those tasks are the ones that eventually will trickle into the financial statements and the financial statements as we know need to be accurate as a lot of business decisions are made around them. I would also say that willingness to learn is a very close second. I think with ever-changing environments, it's crucial for individuals to be willing to grow. And I've been very fortunate at Voices.com that all the members within my department hold such skills. So that though they're just amazing. That's cool. I really like that you said willingness to learn too, because I think for a lot of outsiders, we kind of view finance as something that's one function or it's kind of always been the same, but just like any other industry, it's always changing and your clients are changing and the people around you are having different needs. So that ability to be flexible and learn new things, I think is huge. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think for sure within our industry, we've seen like tons of technology changes over the last five, 10 years. So if you're not willing to learn and grow as the rest of the economy and industries are, then you will probably get left behind. So you got to jump on and just, you know, do your best. For sure. I did. That's something that was always kind of embedded in us through university. And I didn't really understand until I got in the real world and then seeing how quickly things change, especially here in the tech industry. It's crazy. Like you really, really got to be five steps ahead most of the time or else, like you said, you're just going to fall behind. Exactly. So if you had to describe the spend culture of Voices.com, what would it be? I would describe the current spend culture at Voices.com to be fairly administrative. Voices.com recently introduced like a new bonus plan based on financial performance, which includes bottom line. This program ensures that the employees carefully consider the amount 
that they're spending and the importance of these. So I think that would tie into our employees also agreeing that we have a fairly administrative policy. And how many employees do you currently have at Voices.com? Currently, we are 116 people strong. Wow, that's awesome. And how do you find implementing and maintaining a spend culture is with a company of that size, given that you've obviously worked for much larger companies before? Yeah, I definitely think it's been, I would say at Voices.com, it's been like pretty collaborative, I would say. People understand, you know, why we need to manage and track expenditures and the necessary controls surrounding them. So everyone's been very open and appreciative of understanding the process. So it's been a good experience on my side. That's good. It always makes it easier when everyone's on board and understands what you're trying to do. And I think when, not that 116 is small by any means, but when you're at that size, it's easier to have people be on the same level of understanding. So what are the processes for managing and tracking spend currently look like at Voices.com? The current processes we have at Voices.com for managing company spend is budget tracking and the use of purchase order system. Each department created a budget for their spend for the current fiscal year, which was approved. In addition to budgeting, we have our purchase order system in which an individual within the department can create their purchase order, but it must be approved by their manager. Then tracking spend is done through the financials in which budget is compared to actual and forecast. The purchase order system like assists uh, with this department, sorry, assists with this as departments are aware of any requisitions for goods and services. So it sounds like you've got a pretty solid system over there. Yeah, it's really nice. We use like our CRM is integrated with our accounting system. So it's really nice. Like not everyone needs access to the accounting system, obviously. So it's nice that the CRM people can make their requests through that and then we can flow it into the accounting system. Are there any changes that you've made to that process since you've started or that you see yourself wanting to make in the future? There's been lots of changes that have occurred since being at Voices.com, like relate to company spend. So I'll just list a handful that I've gone through. So streamlining banking, so the number of accounts and how we conduct our day-to-day banking, streamlining the payment process, creating a process and advising our vendors as when to expect payments, introducing you know internal expense for reimbursement policy and procedures. So how do I get reimbursed? What does what needs to be included in my reimbursement? Introducing ownership of spend on corporate credit cards. So knowing that you know this is the corporate credit card, everything needs to be detailed with receipts. And as I mentioned, we introduced um, a new accounting system this year. So that's really helped with tracking and managing our spend and then introducing cross-functional training within my team so that all members understand the accounting system and I would say different roles that involve our accounting system. I really like that you've included that training piece because I think a lot of companies you know, will implement these systems, which are so critical and important, but then there isn't really the communication of why or the proper training. And so those things tend to go hand in hand. And when you don't have one with the other, I think a lot of those initiatives can fall short. Definitely. So in your experience, what are some of the poor practices that you've seen when it comes to companies trying to cultivate a healthy spend culture? 
Some poor practices I've seen in the past when it comes to cultivating healthy spend is employers not explaining the why. People do not like change. They especially do not like change when they're just told to do it. So I think it's extremely important to explain the why things need to change and what the new change will look like. This is something that's like really driven home here at Voices.com and I love it. That's awesome. Like you said, so important. I know even here at Procurify, we always try to have the why behind stuff because even if you are in a fast changing environment, people like to know the reason behind why something is the way it is or why they're doing it. And I think also when you have that purpose behind what you're doing, it makes you more likely to kind of work together in that initiative. Absolutely. I agree. So how do you think spend culture in general will evolve in the next five years? I think that spend culture will evolve to be more data-driven. And by that, I mean, I think there's going to be lots of new technology introduced to assist companies to make better and faster decisions relating to spend. I think in the past, spend has been very administrative, but I think companies might open up to more like administrative slash agile spend and like seeing what works kind of with their company. Yeah, I agree. I think that with new technology coming out and a lot of different options for people, I think companies are starting to realize that one size doesn't fit all. And it's great that there's all these systems out there that really allow companies to modify things to what works best for them, especially when it comes to money and spending. I mean, when you look at the big picture, even as people, we all have different ways of spending and managing our finances. And I think it just makes sense that companies would do the same thing. Yeah, I totally agree. What I was mentioning, it's like different opportunities to understand spend as well. Like just like not like you said, not just using one type of spend that if you have the technology that kind of communicates your spend differently, then you might make different decisions versus old time would be I have a budget, I'm sticking to my budget versus look at what this new technology has presented in terms of information, and then making decisions based off real time um, data. I love that. I actually was introduced to the theory not too long ago of people not having budgets, which was obviously a little bit shocking to me, but um, it kind of makes sense. And I mean, again, it's not for everyone, but you see companies that have a budget, so they'll just spend that money, but maybe they're not making the best choices with it. And maybe it could be allocated differently or they don't actually need it for that function at all. Yeah. More so like a floating budget because you now have the information required to make like proper spend decisions. Totally. As a financial controller, what are your must-have tools and software in your mind that help you do your job? My must-have tools, Excel. (laughs) I literally live in this (laughs) application. So much of my day-to-day work requires Excel and I love the versatility of it. And then secondly, I would just say like a true accounting software, meaning not software that's created by a CRM, because we know that that was not made by an accountant. So some of the logic of CRM software doesn't necessarily make sense to someone like in my position. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think, again, it comes down to that one size doesn't fit all, especially when it comes to finance. So how do you establish financial controls within an organization and In your experience, what do you have to do to get that buy-in? I think establishing controls comes from identifying weaknesses in the current process. Once a weakness is identified, a mitigating and compensating control needs to be established. Once controls are established, then they need to be tested to ensure the control is working as expected. 
know, can you tell that I dabbled in control testing in my previous role? <laughs> Just a um, little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then kind of similar to my comment earlier, in order to obtain buy-in, you need to explain the why. A colleague of mine always uses the phrase, take them on the journey with you. And I believe like that's exactly what is needed for cooperation and understanding of control implementation. I really like that. I actually haven't heard that reference before, but I feel like that is very applicable in many areas of business. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that kind of how I mentioned earlier with change, it's like take them on the journey from start to end to explain why the change needs to be implemented. What's the change going to look like and what's the future with the change going to be? Exactly. So for yourself, how do you like to continue your learning? Are there books or blogs that you follow? Is it within your network? Is there something specific that you go to for getting your knowledge? My continuous learning mainly comes from CPA Ontario. I subscribe to their newsletters and they've always have articles relating to what's happening in the industry and what are the current trends. Events that I like to attend are workshops or sessions about specific items that impact my role or like in the company. So handbook updates, tax, payroll updates. Voices.com is very supportive of professional development. And we're currently in the midst of all management training, um, which is led by our director of operations. And so far, it's been like really nice to have some in-house training. And it's been very relevant and super insightful. It's great when you can have that in-house as well, just knowing that everyone's kind of on board with their learning and development and then having your own external network too, I think is equally as valuable. Yeah, I think that you should have both. I think an employer who totally supports professional development is one for sure that I always look for. And then being able to go outside because it's always nice to see you know, someone else's view on a topic. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question for you, so far in your career, what has been the best piece of advice or the one piece of advice that's really stuck with you? Interesting. Honestly, I think I more so learned it in past roles is that like understanding that you as an individual like cannot do everything. You know, at some point there's there's not going to be a fire. You'll be able to do what needs to get done and you just need to, you know, either ask for help or set realistic deadlines, whatever it may be, but I think not putting all of uh, the pressure on yourself to complete tasks. That's one thing that I've definitely carried in my career that I've just known, you know what? It will get done. There's no fires if it doesn't get done today. I'll still meet the deadline. I'll do the good work because I find if you are trying to get something done and rushed, it just is not going to be the same quality. So I would definitely have the self-awareness and understanding that you are just one person and you can only do what one person can do. I can totally relate to that. I think <laughs> especially when you've gone from being a student to your first few jobs, it's hard to get out of that mindset of just trying to get all this work done. And I think too, when you have a great team behind you, knowing that you can lean on people for support or delegate your tasks or ask for help, all those things are really, really great. But I agree. Managing that and not trying to just get everything done at once is, is definitely something I think a lot of people can relate to. I think in general, any role that you have, there's always going to be, you know, lots of daunting tasks, but you just need to realize you can accomplish it, just maybe not all at this right, like very moment. Yes. And like you said, nothing is literally on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. Everything's <laughs> going to be okay at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and chatting with us. It's been great learning more about you and your role and where your career is taking you. I love that you've made the jump to a company like Voices.com, which is doing something really unique, but really cool. And I agree with you. It looks like there's a lot of opportunity for growth and learning within your organization. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I was really excited to do this podcast. You know, as mentioned before, being a female in the finance industry, it's really important that we have our voices out there and are heard and other people can listen to our stories and maybe be inspired. Absolutely. I definitely agree. Perfect. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Spend Culture Stories podcast, sponsored by Procurify. If you'd like to learn more about your spend culture, take our quiz at spendculture.com.